Welcome to Mind the Gap by Fresh Chat, a podcast where experts and hustlers share their stories on growth, marketing, and customer experience. I'm Abhishek, and I'm your host for the day. Kevin is the VP of Marketing at Buffer. He started out as a content writer and has worn many hats since. He's been a product marketer, performance marketer, copywriter, and a manager. Kevin is well known for his transparent and thought-inspiring articles on social media marketing, content marketing, and managing teams. In today's episode, we're going to make Kevin reverse engineer his strategies around marketing and decode content and social media marketing the buffer way. Thank you, Kevin. And you started with Buffer a few years ago. You started as a content writer. And then in the course, in the last few years, you've worn hats of a content writer, a product marketer, performance marketer, partnership, social media, content, all parts of marketing. And you're currently the VP of marketing there. Now, considering that you've worked across streams and you also have a distributed team, now, how does your work look like today? How's the, how does your typical day look like today? And, you know, I'm interested to know how the value has shifted from being content writer to the VP of marketing. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's been quite a big shift. So I'm happy to share a bit about what it's been like. It's interesting how much my day has changed. So when I started at Buffer, I wrote three to five blog posts each week, and they were very I guess they they felt very long. They were, they were 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 words. So that was pretty much my day-to-day was just writing, researching, editing, publishing, and promoting. And I love that work. It was very much uh, a maker type role, an individual contributor type role. And then to contrast that with a VP of marketing role, it's been you know 100% different. So I have eight direct reports and two dotted line reports. So they report to a different department, but I they, they work on my team and I have one-to-ones with those folks every single week. And then I also am responsible for team ops. So finding out when we meet as a team and scheduling uh, tools and budget and all these different conversations and making decisions on that. I work on vision and strategy. So once a quarter, once a month, I'll go look at the numbers, look at the metrics, look at the trends I chat with lots of different stakeholders across the company to make sure we're all aligned with things. And then I do still love the making aspect. So a few hours each week, I will jump in to do some of the tasks that kind of fall to the bottom of my team, like stuff that no one doesn't really fit neatly in anyone's job description. I pick up some of those little things and and get to do those. So yeah, it's, it's hugely different. I think the biggest shift for me was in finding where in and finding out this feeling of productivity, I used to measure my productivity by publishing something. It was this very immediate, visceral feeling of, oh, I, I did something today. I pushed, pushed this big button. And you get that quick feedback. And now as a manager and as a VP, it's, it's very different in terms of how I feel productive. I can put together checklists and things I want to do any given day. But what it comes down to for me is feeling productive through my team. So as my teammates are productive and successful, I can kind of feel like I had a role in doing that and shaping that. And then the feedback loops are very different too. So I I set a strategy in January and might not see the fruits of it for several months versus a blog post I can publish, you know, in an hour and get feedback within minutes afterwards. So it's just been 
opposite ends of the spectrum, but both sides have been super, super enjoyable for me. Lovely. You know, you because you said this about having spread teams across. Now, this is a question that I've had with remote working culture. Now, sometimes you have to make sure that responses is immediate. It can be for a campaign, it can be for a social tweet, or it can be even as a reactive, you know, reactive mechanism for a complaint or for a campaign or any of that sorts. Now, when you have teams across the globe, how do you mitigate that risk? Yeah, I think we're lucky in that we are spread across the globe. So we have 24-7 coverage of everything. And I think the second thing that's been really good in our favor is that we have a team of folks who are very T-shaped as marketers. So they have a primary skill, but they also have a very strong breadth of skills across a lot of different areas. So we have a lot of dependencies in place. We'll have, we have a social media manager, for instance, but many of us have access to our social media accounts through Buffer, the tool we use to schedule. And so that makes it easy. If there is a crisis that happens while our social media manager is asleep, we have a, a system or people who can hop in and pause our posts or put a message out to on, on Twitter or something like that. So we have some, some backups there. So I think it does come down to cross-training for us, having people who are skilled in lots of different areas, and then having having some systems and some playbooks for some common things that happen. Maybe uh, the product goes down or there is a crisis in the world that we don't want to you know, post on social about. So lots of different plans in place and then having the people who are able to act on all those. Right. You know, you have... More than 12 million people reach out to Buffer every month through content and brand awareness campaigns. Now, can you talk about your marketing strategy here? How do you approach content and brand awareness at Buffer? Absolutely. Yeah. We see brand awareness, but the goal for brand awareness with us is we want to build a bias for Buffer so that when people are in need of a social media tool or a brand building tool, Buffer is one of the first tools that comes to mind. And that's not the easiest thing to measure, but it is a very clarifying purpose for the work that we do on content. So we will have, you know, CTAs and things that do tie back directly to the product, but we don't, we don't push it. We don't collect leads with this purpose of lead nurture. We don't have a sales team. It's very, very top of funnel, very awareness focused. Uh, we like to think of it as very generous and open and, I think that's that's one of the key things behind our success there is that we it, it it kind of permeates through our brand and through our voice and our tone and I think it's been I think it's been alluring for people and gets people in the door so and then we just keep delivering that value and hopefully when they're ready to to find a solution like us we'll be the first one that they come look at Great Buffer has about 10,000 new users acquired every month I'm sure the content marketing plays a huge role here. Let's talk about the process of content marketing at Buffer. You know, so it works very differently at different companies. When you look at Freshworks, it works differently. When you look at Ahrefs, it works differently. When you look at a different company in the Valley, it looks it, it works totally differently. So can we talk about how you manage goals, tasks, and outcomes for the content marketing team? So how do you set your goals or and how do you go around achieving them just from a content perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So we do get 100,000 new users each month. And it's it's not a goal that we have for our content to drive a certain amount of those users. We don't do multi-touch attribution to be able to tie back a certain value to blog posts. We will look at referral traffic and you know direct signups from content, but 
we know that the impact of our content is not represented fully in just a single referral traffic number or a single um, direct sign-up number. So instead, what we focus on with our content is expanding the reach. So we'll set a goal for sessions and those goals kind of grow over time. It's We're in the lucky place that we do get a lot of traffic to the blog. So um, we've found some new, new ways in which to grow that traffic. And then recently we've started to shift the shift the mindset from from sessions to also recognizing the importance of value and experience on the website. So we're able to track, um, I guess you might think of them as engagement metrics. So time on site, um, depth of like scroll depth on a page, subscribers to email content or podcasts or YouTube content. And those more engagement metrics seem to be the direction we're moving. We've kind of found that our content could be split into two buckets. We have content that is, very SEO driven. So we get a lot of one-time visitors coming from search to find answers in a blog post. Then we have other content that is more real-time or newsy or trends or thought leadership. And that stuff also, we, we find there's really a solid audience and value there. So that's the stuff that we want to measure more from the engagement side, because we know it might not be as big of a traffic generator for us, but it has a really positive impact on our brand, our our influence, our authority in the space. So we kind of have a dual pronged approach at the moment and we're starting to lean more on the engagement side and it's all very top of funnel. So we understand that, yes, we should keep an eye on how much this contributes to signups, but in terms of having one clear goal, we want to deliver the best value we can and to measure that by how engaged people are with the content. Right. You know, just so that the listeners of the podcast have a lot more clarity in terms of using the experience that you have to run a program like this, can you take us through the process at a step level, at a task level, in terms of, imagine it's just writing content on the blog. You know, it can be about steps. Initially, you discuss about themes. Maybe you look at keywords. Based on keywords, you look at interlinking them, writing content like that, delivering them. So after a content is out, what do you make sure that there is traffic on it, there's eyes on it and all of that? Maybe a quick, a couple of minutes that you can take us through how this happens at Buffer? Absolutely, yeah. So I would bucket it again, according to SEO content, and we call it kind of like magazine or publish publishing content, editorial content. So with our SEO content, when we start making that, we will start with a, a keyword analysis. So we'll go out and do uh, some keyword research using a tool like Ahrefs or Moz. We'll find some keywords that have a high search volume that we haven't written about before. We'll also see what blogs in our space have written about some similar topics that maybe we could cover also in our blog that we haven't written about before. And we end up with this, this good list of topics. And then we would choose, I guess we would rank the keywords based on volume, based on search intent, based on how much of a fit it is with the direction of the content that we're writing. So, you know, if, if it's something very granular and niche about Instagram, we might not choose that one right away we might choose something that has a bit more of a general appeal or fits our our product uh, benefits and features a bit more squarely and then we have a person who writes it for us so we have a couple different writers on the team so they will go into writing mode they'll research it deeply they'll come up with a very a very solid draft of it we're lucky that our writers are very well versed in the way that we do things at buffer so they can take that pretty far themselves so it's in some cases they will take it all the way to publishing in other cases, they'll take it maybe 90% of the way there with their draft and then share it with another person on the team for a final set of eyes. We will 
have that same person uses some design templates and some different graphics and media to put into the blog post. And then it goes live. And when it goes live, we send out an email to our list of subscribers through the blog, which is, I think it's at 40,000 today. It's been uh, a good source of that initial flywheel for us. We also promote it on social media. And when it's SEO driven, we kind of expect it. We, we measure it based on a one day mark, a seven day mark, and a 28 day mark. And by that 28 day mark, thanks to the domain authority that we have, we're able to rank pretty quickly for, for things that we write about. So by 28 days, we're able to see the, the session graph kind of take off and, and go up into the right. So that's our approach for SEO content. When it comes to the editorial content that we write, the more of the magazine, newsy, trendy content, that comes from a lot of different places. We might see a catchy headline somewhere and, and feel like that could be a good fit for uh, a type of story we could write. We might start noticing a trend just because we're in social media a lot and say, this is something we want to write about. We might write about a feature that has been released on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter recently and kind of do a, a dive into that. And we don't rank those according to too many variables other than we think this would be valuable. And so once we have an idea that feels like it's fleshed out enough with maybe an outline or getting someone else's eyes on it, just to double check that uh, we're not, we're not alone in seeing this as a trend. We'll have that person write the content similar to how we write SEO content. They can take it pretty far, maybe 90% of the way there. And then when it comes to publishing and promoting that one, it's pretty similar. So we'll send it out to our, our mailing list. We'll promote it on social and we'll do a bit of extra promotion for some of these. So we might do some paid ads on social media. Also, we might do some Instagram stories content. Sometimes we'll turn it into a podcast or we'll turn it into a video. So we'll repurpose the content in different ways and kind of make it have legs that, that last a bit longer there. That's great. That's a lot of insight. Now, you know, just to understand this, uh, again, from a content perspective, now I've heard this from a lot of content marketers out there. Now, when a content doesn't perform, do you also look at revisiting the content or deleting the content or trying to improve it or just sunsetting it because it doesn't work? You know, is there a process for existing content as well here? Yeah, that's a good question. So we do have quite a library of content and we will go back and rewrite many of those pieces over time so that they can jump back up in the rankings. We have a, a system of discovering those pieces of content that might need a rewrite. So we look at, I think we use hrefs for this also. And so we'll look at how much a search ranking has, has fallen or if we're getting less search volume or search traffic um, on some of our, our key blog posts. And yeah, then we'll go back in and freshen them up, make them accurate and up to date and change the publication date and then publish the, the same post, same URL again. And we'll see some pretty significant gains from that. Um, if we do something that, if we were to post something tomorrow and it didn't do great, we would we'd probably give it a bit more time first to see like, does, does traffic pick up as the weeks go by? But we are okay, you know, learning from some of the ones that didn't work out, especially when we're publishing editorial magazine type content that isn't geared toward long-term evergreen search. We're okay using those as learning opportunities. Um, when it does come for the S to the SEO stuff, we do want to get that right. So we, we often go back and revisit. So I, I want to talk a little bit about marketing for customers here, you know, because you have about hundred thousand people signing up for your product every month and about 12 million people who reach out to buffer every month. 
you know, you have a huge audience that you should service. Now, a lot of companies out there look at content as marketing to just to get new users or a lot of content out there is to get a top of the funnel. And not a lot of people are writing content for existing customers or the mid funnel. And I'm assuming Buffer will do that a lot because you're in that space, in that social media space where the audience size is big, the pool is large, and which means you have to write different kind of content for different kind of segments there. How do you write content or how do you do marketing, not even content, marketing for customers? Yeah, that is a great question. One of the key things we found is that there, there can be a risk of getting siloed in different organizations where existing customers are someone else's problem to deal with and marketing focuses on some other aspect. And I think that mindset of like, this is not our, not our thing is not a helpful one anymore. Um, I think I've been guilty of that in the past of thinking once we, once we as marketing hand them off from acquisition, then it's, it's onto product to, to get to, to help those folks the rest of the way. And we've shifted that mindset, which is, which has been great. So now that it, now that we're in this new this new way of thinking about it, we do write some content and, and think about our existing customers through a couple of different ways. We have a Slack community that is becoming more and more customer focused, and that community exists to connect customers to one another, to help them make connections and network, but also to help them solve each other's problems and for us to be able to stay connected and stay close and, and hear hear from them of what they're saying, what their needs are, what, how we can help. So that's been a really key thing for us. We'll also, you know, use that community in order to share resources with them, share content that we're creating on more of the top of funnel side if it's of interest to them. So the community is a great way that we've found to do that. And then we do write content on the blog occasionally for those customers in particular. So we'll do new features and new product releases that Buffer has and share tips on how to get the most of it. We'll write posts about Buffer in general and say these are some of the the best ways to use it, or this is how a different, this or that brand is using it. And we also have really, really benefited from a closer relationship with our customer support team. So they've built out this wonderful FAQ and help library of, of resources. And we kind of are starting to view that as content as well. It's an interesting model that we've kind of we've taken a lot of inspiration from how MailChimp does it. If you search for something, a question on Google about MailChimp, how something works, you're going to see all their FAQ results right there. And it feels like almost like this intersection of marketing and support in a way. So we're lucky that our support team has already built out a lot of those resources and we can help on the marketing side by making them more visible, easy to find on brand, all these different, different great things and helping our customers get to them. So we have all those things, you know, we'll get people in touch with the right resources through email and different, different ways there. But yeah, we are starting to be a bit more, customer minded in the in our approach to creating content and delivering value right now again from a content perspective now you know things have been changing a lot in the last few years i think about seven eight years ago content marketing was at the peak you know when i'm saying content blogs here was at its peak and then from there uh we saw the rise of images catching up a lot gifs catching up a lot you know from there we saw that the video has a lot of adoption. Facebook started introducing native videos inside. Uh, and then we're now, we're now seeing that, hey, you know what? LinkedIn is no longer interested in text as a way of content, but videos are catching up again. And blogs don't have, there's a massive amount of content from a blog perspective globally. 
uh, podcast has been extremely useful from for drivers, commuters. You know, I think that's that's an avenue people are looking at. But when you look at it holistically, because you're at a perspective where you probably understand the kind of content that performs, you know, you probably have data which says by country, by industry, by geo, by by ethnicity. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm assuming you have a lot of content out there, data out there. Now, according to you, where do you see is the future of content marketing? Yeah, that is a big question. When I think of content marketing, I do think of all those different things you mentioned of not only a blog, but video and audio and visuals and every, anything you can create does fall under content for us. And the direction that I see things moving in is toward this very high quality professional, I guess we would call it experiential or narrative storytelling aspect of content. So you'll see this in things like Wistia's 110-100 series where they produce videos with different budgets and made it a really high, high quality polished thing. Uh, we see it in podcasting. You know, there's so many great podcasts from brands out there nowadays, which are, are wonderful, wonderful reflections on their brand too. And these are things that people can really get, get sucked into and feel, it's almost feeling closer to the person behind the content, the person making it or the company making it. So that's the trend that we see. I, I think for our blog, as I mentioned, we have this idea that there's SEO content, which people are searching for answers and wanting to get the answer and then maybe they'll, they'll hop out. And so we want to make that a good experience for them. But we're also really investing more on the side of that storytelling, that narrative, that experiential aspect where we have a podcast now at Buffer, which has been great for us and has been a real success in how closely it's tied us to our community and our audience. People feel very connected to the hosts. We're going to explore some more video. And when we think of video, we don't think of you know, us producing it on a webcam on our screens necessarily, we think of more of the high quality, very well produced, thought out type of content. So that's that's where I see it heading. I don't think blogs are going away by any means. I think there's some really great value still for blogs. You see places like the first round blog, for instance, and their style there is, is very narrative and storytelling. They're interviewing people and telling the story of how they, these folks did it. So I think there's absolutely room for blogs to keep growing tons of potential for podcasting and video. So I, I just see it kind of moving into this more high quality space and this experiential type of space. Right. So we saw your post about losing nearly half your social referral traffic in the last 12 months. I think this was a blog post that Buffer had written. You know, there's a lot of transparency in that post, but honestly, we all see some kind of dip in social media engagement. We hear a lot of people wanting to quit social media being part of a brand that primarily focuses on social media. What are your thoughts on this trend? How do you overcome something like this? And what does the future hold here? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's interesting to think about expectations with social media. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's changed in my mind, where when we wrote that post, we were using social media as one of our key referral sources. And digging into the data, kind of noticing the trends, we realized that's not... That's not what social media is for us and maybe for similar brands to us in our space. What social media is for us, we've, we've shifted to think of it in, in a couple of different ways. So it is about being on brand. So it's a place for people to learn about us as a brand, for us to project the type of brand we want to be on social. So high quality, professional, approachable, friendly. It's a place for us to respond to people. So it's absolutely a channel that 
customers are coming to to look to not only engage with you but to get problems solved and to get answers for questions so we want to be responsive on social media and then we want to be consistent on social media which is where a tool like buffer has helped us in the past where we can schedule content ahead of time plan it ahead of time so that we are always sharing and delivering value at a consistent clip we don't want people to you know come to our instagram page and see we haven't posted for a couple weeks or come to twitter and not really know what's happening because it doesn't it's not clear what we're what we're up to there so we want this consistent approach there as well and i think we're seeing that shift a bit more with brands and with both b2b and b2c companies where social media is kind of this this directory for their brand if people are curious to learn more they're going to come to social media they're going to come to your facebook page or your instagram profile or your twitter profile and and that's where they're going to learn what you're about and if you can put a good face on that it's going to make make a good impact for you so there are still some brands and some types of businesses that get good traction from referral traffic from social i think that would be places like publishers for instance social still a key a key referral source for them and then the other trend we're noticing is social media's influence on e-commerce. So I think it was just a, a little bit ago that Instagram announced a new shopping experience is coming to their platform and their network. So we have noticed that brands have really been able to sell well using social media these days. And so that's another you know, really key aspect of social. Like We don't think social media is going away by any means, but we do think it's, it's shifting. I think we're noticing it's less about us, this megaphone of us blasting our message out, brands blasting a message out to folks. And it's more about this conversation. So inviting people in to learn more about the brand, to help solve problems and to listen and to be there for folks. I think that's useful. That's a lot of insight there. Now, when you look at hiring a marketing team, you know, what are the qualities that you look for in them? Yeah, this is one of my favorite questions. So there's a couple of different things. So I look for someone who is curious. I think that is a great sign that they will come into a role and really seek to fully understand the role, to learn new things. The the phrase I like to think of is if I ask someone to do something and they don't know how to do it, their answer is going to be, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And so I think that's where curiosity comes into play. The second one is a work ethic. So are they able to put in the work to get better and better each day? Are they Do they have a growth mindset where they're, they come into a role and, and want to uh, kind of take the role to the next level and put in the work necessary to be able to do that? Are they consistent in their work style? Are they able to meet deadlines, different things like that? And then the third thing is, is ethical, which um, might go without saying, but we want, I want to hire folks who um, will be honest, will be dependable, who will do what they say they're going to do and who will do it uh, in an upstanding way. So those are the three that I, I start qualifying for. And then beyond that, you know, it's great to have a, a someone who has, an expertise in one or two areas and is able to also contribute in more of a broad sense. So that's where the T-shaped marketer concept comes in for us. We want someone with a deep understanding of one or two areas and a broad set of skills that can impact and influence a lot of different aspects of our marketing team. Right. You know, the next segment uh, in the podcast is something that we call the rapid fire round. You know, we look for answers from the top of your head. Let's do it. Awesome. Can you tell me one product or an app that you can't live without? Trello. Okay. I'm going to make it a little difficult for you. I'm going to ask for one product or app for content marketing, for social media, for product marketing, 
and for brand marketing. Okay. For content marketing, WordPress. For social media marketing, Buffer. For product marketing, Dropbox Paper. And for brand marketing, Canva. Awesome. Now, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what would you use for business if you're a B2B business? If I'm B2B, I would use Facebook. Micro content or long form content, which do you prefer? I love micro content. And I think it is, I'm really excited for the future of micro content. But, I, but long form content works. And I don't know that micro content does. So if you want what I love, I love micro. If you want what works, long form. Can you give me examples of micro content that you love? Yeah, absolutely. There's, well, I love Tumblr, which is, I know it's an old, old thing to say. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm a few years behind the trend there, but I love Tumblr, which is kind of set up as micro content. There are some blogs I follow. There's one on design and branding called Under Consideration. And it's a mix of links to content, to other folks' content. It's a mix of you know, short form content. And a blog called Swiss Miss, which is a personal blog from the founder of Tatley. And her blog is great. It's just content sharing images, quotes, little snippets of things. So those are a few that I, I love. Lovely. One content or marketing trend that you see is here to stay. Does podcasting count? Does great content count? <laughs> you know, I think that's a trend that's going to stay forever. I think so. Yeah. Good, good content. <laughs> <laughs> right. And one trend that you think will go away. Yeah. This might already be going away in some ways, but like welcome mats and pop-ups, I think those are one thing I would be happy to to live without. Right. You know, I, I know this question is off topic, but what do you think about this clickbaity content on which color do you think the dress is? Is it blue or black? Or, you know, the trends that we see online, which is which is no meaning whatsoever, but there are companies which have made about millions of dollars just because of this clickbaity content. So what do you think of that? Do you think that's here to stay? I think there will always be clickbait in one form or another. I think we're getting, as we get smarter to notice some of it, a new type of clickbait will come in. So I don't see it going away. I do think it's it's not going to be as effective. And it, I don't know if it's ever been effective. I think that brand experience is very poor when you get lured into coming to a website and find out it's not what you expected or it's not doesn't live up to its its promise. I think people care more about brand these days in, in my mind. And so it's just not the right approach if you're going to be clickbaiting folks and kind of wrecking that brand experience for yourself. Right. What, according to you, is the biggest learning that you've had from Buffer? I think I have been, I've had a better growth mindset since I joined Buffer where I feel like I'm capable of doing more things than I was before. So I guess that learning would be maybe self-belief and less self-doubt. And I think I learned that lesson just by observing and being around people who who are great at it, who are able to tackle challenges and embrace their curiosity for, for trying new things. I think it's been, uh, been very contagious and I've caught the bug. It's great. Awesome. You know, if you wanted to have a coffee conversation with anyone who's alive anywhere in the world right now, who would that be and why? Oh, that's a good one too. I'm, I'm loving this conversation. So this is, this is great. This could be the, the appetizer for that one. I would say I'd love to chat with Tom Brady, the quarterback for the New England Patriots, which is, <laughs> I feel a bit, a bit, uh, a bit silly admitting that one, but yeah, that would be one person 
Um, I should probably talk to someone who might help give me some good marketing advice too, but no, it's football. That's the <laughs> one that comes to mind. Right. Okay. And you know, I'm going to ask this question here. The truth is while I was doing this podcast, I was stalking you. I was looking at your profile there and I'm just going to have this. You've worked as a sports reporter. You've been a marketer. You've been an editor and VP of marketing. Right in the early days, a long, long time ago, what is the one lie that you've said in an interview? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> interesting question. Um, I think when I was a sports reporter, I would... <laughs> maybe I don't know if it's a lie so much as just giving myself too much credit, but I, I gave myself a lot of credit for starting my own school newspaper when I was in high school and for working at a school newspaper in college. And hopefully they were able to see through that as being like a an actual experience. But um, I use that a lot to say, look, I have experience in all these things. And I guess they, they saw something in me. So it was great. I think that's <laughs> how everything out. starts, right? I think so. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Uh, lovely. I, I think I've had a lot of fun chatting with you today. You know, do you think we missed out on something that we can go back and look at? No, I, I think this was great. Do you feel like you got everything you need for, for this to be a successful I think so episode? too. You know, I have Buffer by my side. You think it won't be successful? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any chance. No, I think you're, this is going to be this is gonna be a smash hit. That'd lovely. I'm still looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Mind the Gap. Subscribe to our podcast at freshchat.com slash mindthegap. You can check out our upcoming episodes and ask questions to our guest by sending an audio message there. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with the world. See you guys soon.